0: Welcome to the SUSS series of podcasts that shares questions and dives into all things personal development because learning never stops, especially after graduation. This series will share insights, ideas, and advice on shaping ourselves to prepare for a future of uncertainties. Previously
1: on SUSS Podcast for example you know, let's say if you've been wearing a mask all day and you've been out in the sun it's been hot and sweaty and you're frustrated but you know that it's important to keep your mask on and you do so and you come across someone without a mask and it's very possible that you start thinking that wait hold on I've been putting up with all this all day why can't you do it too and so that limits our interpretation maybe the person is just I don't know wiping their nose you know there's so many other possibilities but because we are in that state of mind we interpret things in a certain way and in doing so we would also limit our range of responses so we might start thinking that they're inconsiderate they don't even look Singaporean maybe I don't know if we talk about that xenophobia thing or you might post something on social media that you might regret later so those are some of the really real world outcomes
0: So what you're saying is that negative frame of mind can cause some very surprisingly seemingly unrelated consequences with very far-reaching impact, right? It seems that some people seem to naturally deal with unexpected situations better than others, though. So how much of this do you think boils down to their natural-born personality versus their grooming or their training?
1: It's almost a trick question when you hear nature and nurture, right? The answer is always nature and nurture. And I think one challenge is also how do you tease out the difference between nature and nurture. So if you want to study siblings, for example, they might share the same environment, but they also share the same genetic material to some extent. So I think that's difficult, right? So gender roles, for example, there are biological basis, but there's also, it's been reinforced with societal standards and socialization. I buy my boys trucks, <laughs> you know. But on the nature front, obviously there are some traits that's been associated with the ability to cope. So one of them is optimism, expertise and skills regarding the situation. Also relevant resources such as money and time. But I think something also quite important is being in the right nurturing environment. So it's no secret that social media algorithms are putting all of us in echo chambers. If you were in a telegram group, some conspiracy theory telegram group, then you really are putting yourself up to be nurtured in a very negative way.
0: It sounds like what you're saying is that even for the parts that we can control, the nurture aspect, we are able to set ourselves up for both positive and negative nurturing. So if we wanted to rig it positively, how do we set ourselves up for more positive nurturing?
1: We can approach the problem by addressing the emotions and also the problem. So there's the emotion-focused strategies and then the problem-focused ones. So I think a successful approach would incorporate both. If you think about the uncertainty that's brought about by COVID-19, really what's happening, or well, some researchers suggest, is that there is a decreased certainty of positive outcomes and an increased certainty in negative outcomes. And it is this sort of interplay that induces fear and anxiety. So if you think of it in this light, then one way to regain our control is to really think of how we perceive the likelihood of positive outcomes occurring. I think a really cool study that was conducted got participants to either brainstorm some of the outcomes some of the goals that's been enabled by the pandemic. And then the other group was asked to think of ways in which the pandemic prevented them from achieving their goals. So no surprises there. The group that was asked to think about the positive outcomes or how their goals have been enabled really had uh, much higher satisfaction, much better outcomes than the group that was asked to focus on the negative outcomes.
0: So um, be careful what kind of questions you ask yourself, right? Yes,
1: that's right. And as part of that is this idea of positive reframing. If you think about it today, we are much better parents. We're much better cooks. We're much better bakers. We're much better programmers, painters, musicians than we are two years ago. So I think that's one. So really positive reframing. The second, I think, is really trying to reduce the certainty or the perceived certainty of negative outcomes. One way to do that is really being careful with your sources. If you're careful with your sources, often it's more objective and not scaremongering. So often you're going to feel that the perceived outcomes, negative outcomes are not that certain, I think. The third way is really to sort of, going back to the KonMari method. I think the KonMari method, again, is so attractive because it offers structure and rituals, And that's what you can actually do yourself. So for example, if you think about work-life separation, one thing you could do is you could maintain strict work hours. We're gonna need organizations to help, right? We're gonna need (laughs) We're gonna need bosses, we're gonna need managers, we're gonna need leaders to say, Okay, this person's on leave, please don't bother them. After a certain hour don't expect a reply on your email. So we need some organizational support behind this. But individually, we can really maintain our, you know, we can try to maintain strict work hours. That also means adhering to a fixed lunch period, the start and the, the end time. Don't expand that. Don't contract that. So that's one. I know we're all in a sort of a t-shirt and sweatpants kind of mood now. You know, our wardrobe has changed. But it's also useful to dress up for work, even if only for Zoom calls there's a body of research suggesting that how we dress really changes our psychology and how we behave. And that would definitely help with this work-life separation. The last final tip I think I have would be just using different devices for work and play. If it's a work laptop, keep it exclusively for work. And so there's the associations, the mental associations with your work laptop is work. And then with your iPad, for example, it's just play. I think that helps with that separation as well.
0: Thanks. So questions that you ask yourself and creating structure and rituals, that's been very helpful tips. But what might be some other strategies that would maybe even shape us as a community Mm. or a society in the future?
1: I think it's really important to think about the future because we are told that COVID-19 is just one of many future pandemics. Mm. At the policy level, I think government bodies are really getting much better at communicating with the public. The health minister was talking about the need to have simplified COVID-19 protocols and really simplify is a really important thing here is this idea that if we want people to comply if we want people to follow we want people to understand the instructions and guidance have to be simple so that's one so you see that in terms of the ads that we see very visually simple advisory what if you have this what should you do so it's very step-by-step guide so I think one tool or one strategy that will help us for the future is just being able to communicate messages, health messages, and all these crisis messages much better. We have also seen ministers appearing with local celebrities. We have seen Puachukang rapping. (laughs) (laughs) All of this, I think, reduces the psychological distance between us and them. If we see the minister, no offense, but maybe we don't feel that close. But if I see Puachukang... It's low stakes. It's fun. It's sort of part of my daily TV viewing. So that distance is reduced and I'm more likely to be persuaded or listen in. And that really is this idea of nudges and behavioral insights. So, how messages are framed, its psychological effects. And COVID 19, if you think about it, has been an opportunity to advance our understanding and application of nudges and behavioral insights. And I think that, if you ask me, has been one of the most powerful tools that we've developed over COVID 19 and that will help in the future.
0: Maybe every generation thinks that they're the ones that live in the most curious of times. So it's been really fascinating to hear some simple tips and tricks how we can positively reframe situations to regain a sense of control even within our own spheres of influence, even if wider conditions are beyond our own personal control. And thanks for also sharing strategies for behavioral nudging at a societal level. Victor, I wish you all the best in your study of the human condition. Once again, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you very much, Cynthia. You've been listening to the SUSS series of podcasts. To find more episodes, visit suss.edu.sg slash podcast.